Hey, welcome to episode 28 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And while we have a bunch of topics to jump around this week, so let's start with how things are shaping up to be a full meltdown in the second half of the season, or at least a serious collapse by the Montreal Canadiens. Whether it's injuries that are piling up on the team, whether it's players that have hit a brick wall due to this being their first year, or it's the amount of players that have been best described as maybe a ghost that just haven't seemed to show up and don't seem to care this year, such as Jonathan Duran, Evgeny Donatov, Joel Armia, or a few of the players that have even been called up from Laval just don't look ready to take the ice, to say the least, and that is a problem. That being said, at least Jonathan Duran and Joe Armia have started to put some points on the board. I think it's a lot less than still expected, obviously, to this point of the year. But if it helps them increase their trade value or at least creates interest in them from somebody else, all the better. I just think those players, along with some others that we'll talk about here eventually, just need to move on to another franchise for a fresh new start for their benefit. However, with this complete collapse of play, one has to be happy for all the people that were worried about the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. The Connor Bedard sweepstakes seem like they are full on for the Canadians at this point. There doesn't seem to be any shortage at all in the fact that with these point totals and games losses, that Montreal will probably be in the running for at least a top three or a top five draft pick. I know some people are sitting there going, holy cow, they're playing too well. They may not be bad enough to get one of those franchise players. Those hopes, to say the least, I think have been renewed. The other thing that's been proven by this is I think we can finally put to bed the a team has too many draft choices more than it's needing. A team doesn't need to acquire any more draft choices. This is the perfect storm and perfect example of why there is never too many of those such things. All the prospects that the Montreal Canadiens have throughout their organization right now are not going to make the club. You, you've seen that in the consistency of players from year to year. You've seen that because of either too many at one position or you've seen that from players who were great junior players and just couldn't carry it to the NHL. There will be some. There will be more than other past years that will make the team, but there is still a lot of room for other prospects. I know at one point people were saying, holy cow, there's not enough room for anybody else to play on this team with everything that's already coming. I think people can take a breather. I think people can realize not all of those players, A, are going to make it, B, are going to be signed. I think injuries can also have an impact on them. Several of Montreal's prospects have had nasty injuries this year, and that can play into it. Medical reasons can suddenly change plans really quick as well. I think you're going to be able to call this a revolving door process. Some people want to call it a rebuild, restructure, recreate. I think you're going to see an amazing amount of prospects, players, veterans from a variety of sources pass through the doors of the Bell Center. And they will come up with the roster that they want. But I think the count of players that are going to be used to do that will probably blow people's minds. If you look at the amount of rookies, younger players, prospects, players that you already know, players that haven't even been drafted yet, I think it is going to be amazing to watch. I think it's going to be one of the neatest processes to watch in the NHL in a long, long time. So the next two to four years are going to be really, really interesting. Certainly on the team right now, there's no question that Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackye, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, all are going to be there. Those players have proven themselves they want to play there. They want a position unconditionally and have no desire to let their guard down. 
for the rest, it's going to be interesting. I, and again, I say from the beginning of this year and even the preseason, I think one of the biggest concerns moving forward has to be a goaltender, but it has to be the right goaltender. It's going to have to be a goaltender that's going to put up with a lot of pressure. I think, honestly, the next goaltender for Montreal will be of European descent. Could be the kid they already have in Ohio State in Jacob Dobbs. Could be someone else. But I think they're going to be best suited temperament-wise for the pressures of Montreal. Another thing that I have said on many podcasts in the past is just how good Jeff Gordon, Ken Hughes, Vincent LeCavier seemed to slid in seamlessly to his spot, Martin St. Louis, Stefan Robidas. The organization has assembled an exceptional management team, and it's going to take a couple of years. It's not going to be the next day. It's not going to be the next year. Right now, you might be witnessing the best management team since the Sam Pollock era, and that's a hell of a thing to say. I mean, he is obviously in a class by himself and argumentatively one of the greatest architectures of any team or franchise in the history of the league. But this group really seems to have a plan, really seems to have focus, doesn't get off track, off kilter, isn't affected or influenced by anything or anybody, and it's really, really refreshing to see. Of course, the favorite thing of this season of its entirety that's coming and is getting closer and closer to occurring that I've been looking forward to all along is the trading deadline. And I think the trade list for the Montreal Canadiens has grown from initially a a list made on the offseason that included some obvious players. I think that list has continued to grow to include other players who unfortunately have either had injury either have had other people take positions more permanently, such as on defense and things like that. But the good news is, at least, I think out of all the players that could potentially be traded, or that hopefully will be, Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, Mike Matheson, Joel Edmondson, and Sean Monahan can all fetch a first-round draft pick or more. And that would be phenomenal return. In addition to that, of course, the Canadians will want to be able to successfully unload maybe Brendan Gallagher. Remains to be seen. His injuries are continuing to crush him. Everybody was hoping that his off-season changes would make some type of difference. It does not seem like they have even remotely. He still seems to have the same injury-riddled type of season going, which is unfortunate. I miss the Brendan Gallagher of three or four years ago. I thought, as far as a heart and soul player, he has represented that in every human way possible. And even if you notice this year, he's been much quieter this year than in most previous seasons, too. It's kind of like he knows things are beginning to fade out, which is unfortunate because I think it's too young for that to happen to him right now. But in addition to Gallagher, Mike Hoffman, Rem Picklick, David Savard, Joel Armia, Chris Weidman, and that doesn't even include some players from Laval, such as Otto Leskinen, just as, as one example. Corey Sherman could be another one. Alex Belzil, not only those players, but others from there that could be moved as well. I have found it interesting in the recent discussions as well regarding the coaching staff of Laval. That seems to be coming into question. Apparently people thought Laval should be doing far much more this year than they are. Let's not forget, they didn't get all the young superstars that they were initially supposed to get, being Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris. None of them ended up going down. Now they don't even have Justin Baran. He's been called up. And I'm curious to see, speaking of Justin Baran, if he remains with the club or if he becomes a trade chip. There's something inconsistent of his game. There's a great potential there, but he seems to have a problem reaching it. He seems to have a consistency issue. I don't know why. I, I have a feeling he might end up being traded, and that's an okay thing. And I think not only will he be traded, but I think Logan Mylou 
will probably also be traded as well. And not that I don't think he should make the team. I think he should. I think he's going to be an excellent defenseman, like I've said in several episodes. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. He's got a rifle for a shot. He's a very fluid and transitional skater, which is desperately needed. He's a right-hand shot, which the Canadians desperately need. But him and Justin Barron just do not look finished. They don't look polished, and they don't look like they're going to get polished. And that's the scary part. So for their betterment, maybe they should go to another market where they can just blend in and not be a main topic. That may be beneficial to both them and the organization. Now, as for what that does for the right-hand side of the Montreal defense in the future, you still have players like Adam Ingelson, Matthias Norlander, Miguel Telgany can all play the right side of the defense. So the cupboards aren't bare, but maybe that changes with the Canadians draft in 2023 with one of their first round picks. It'll be interesting to see. I have one guaranteed thought, at least I believe it is, that the draft philosophy of the Canadians includes that concept of the most skilled player left on the board. Whether you necessarily need that position or player or not, I think Montreal right now is in a very, very focused time of collecting talent, skill, power, opportunistic players. And that's been something that's unfortunately not happened in a long time. And that seems to be a return and part of the plan of this current management organization team. Now I said we have a bunch of topics and how can one not be following Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals? He now has 810 goals and counting. He's closing in on Gretzky's record of 894 The question is, how many more will he score just in this year? Will he end up with somewhere between 835 to 840 by the end of just this season? If he does, that puts him 55 to 60 goals away from tying Gretzky's record. That's incredible because undoubtedly, that was a record I have no doubt that most people said, you know what, records are made to be broken. That one just isn't going to get broken. And here we are. And Gretzky's even said publicly, He is looking forward to it. But he now has 30 goals in 45 games. He's still got 37 more games just this year to go. So the question is, how many more can he rack up? But even above that, Ovechkin should be respected and admired for his consistency, determination of the game and expectations on himself, professionalism, and dedication. But mostly his consistency. That has been an incredible career by Alexander Ovechkin. I don't know if anybody, even if the Capitals, I'm sure Alexander felt he could pull it off, but everybody else, I think to some degree, has been surprised and caught off guard a little bit by the statistics that he's posted in his career. He is truly one of the best shooters in the history of the game, not just currently. Just my opinion. And some people say, well, that's not much of a stretch. I mean, if he beats Gretzky at 894, what's so great about 900? Because nobody's ever scored 900 before. He'll get to at least 900, and I think he'll get to a hell of a lot more than that. But he is going to hit the 900s for the very first time in the history of this league. Everybody was really impressed way back when Gordie Howe had 801. Gretzky came along and got 894. Ovechkin is going to hit the 900s, and that is truly impressive. On another note, it's been very interesting to hear the amount of concern about Austin Matthews this year. And I say that because if you listen to the reports or the comments that people have made, you would think 
Austin Matthews has had like a 15, 20, let's even say 30 point season. He has scored 47 points in 41 games, 20 goals and 27 assists. He's playing better than a point per game. Now, if you're going to say, will he score 60 goals or more this year, like he did last year? Maybe he won't. But you know what? Here's something that a lot of people are overlooking regarding Austin Matthews' team. Austin Matthews, for a while, unfortunately, was one of those players saddled with the responsibility, no pressure there, by the way, of carrying an entire franchise. He doesn't have to. He has Mitch Marner. He has William Nylander. He has John John Tavares. He's got some talent. And they're having excellent seasons as well. So there's some balance. He can actually take a breather. And what's going to be really interesting is he actually may be one of those players of the status that he holds that might actually have something left in the tank come playoff time. And for all the Leaf fans, maybe that's enough to finally push them past the first round of the playoffs. And they can get that monkey off their back. Because now, honestly, this year, Marner has been the main attention of the team. And I think to a degree, Austin Matthews is probably enjoying that a little bit. Nothing like having a little bit of pressure taken off your shoulders and you can actually relax a little bit and find a little bit more joy in the game you've made a a career out of. I'm, I'm sure that's a nicer pace for him. And if he is fresher for the playoffs, more ready, a greater threat for the Maple Leafs against whoever they play, all the better for him, all the better for the Toronto organization. Why is that suddenly a negative? I mean, if everybody thought because he scored 60 goals last year, that was going to be like the regular season consistent goal number every year. Good luck with that. How many players in the league have scored 60 or more goals every season that they've played? There's a fun question. And while we're discussing Toronto Maple Leaf players, I think Mitch Marner is truly the star of that team. And I say that not just because of his skills as a player, the way he carries himself, the progressions he goes through as a player, the way he takes care of not only his game and his skill set, but his nutrition. He reminds me a lot of Mike Camilleri that way. Personal trainer, very specific diet, smart kid. I really wish the Canadians would have drafted him. I think Mitch Marner is honestly one of the top 10 players in the league. If somebody said to me, you could have anybody off the Toronto Maple Leafs roster who would you want? A lot of people would go with Austin Matthews. Not a bad selection. I'll tell you right now, my pick would be Mitch Marner. I think Mitch Marner is a phenomenal player and has just a scary set of skills. Not that Austin Matthews is not highly skilled. He's an all-star talent. Not saying he's not, but if just player for player, Mitch Marner gets my vote. Now, here's an interesting question. Here's a question that everybody's going to be able to be entertained by. You're a general manager of an NHL franchise. You can choose 20 and any 20 players that you want from around the league. Everybody is available in this scenario. There's nobody that is unavailable or untouchable. You get to build your dream team with this concept. So here's my 20 players that I would pick. And undoubtedly, some people are going to be great team. Other people are going to be, oh my God, how could you leave off? Fill in the blank. Here's my 20 players, starting with my 13 offensive players, because you're going to have one extra offensive player. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Nikita Kucherov, Mitch Marner, Alexander Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Artemi Panarin, Joe Pavelski, Austin Matthews, and as my 13th forward, Elias Pettersson. So you know you've got some talent when your 13th forward is a guy that has already got 50 points plus in 42 games of the first half of this season. you got some serious skill depth. Defensively, it's hard for me to start off with by picking anybody else other than Cal McCarr, followed by Adam Fox, followed by Miro Heshkinen, Roman Yossi, Quinn Hughes, 
And yes, Arbor Jackeye would be my sixth defenseman. And as my extra defenseman, Rasmus Stalin. And some people would go, oh my God, are you just a Arbor Jackeye junkie or what? I want a guy who unconditionally understands the importance of his team and his teammates. I want a guy that will defend his teammates. I want a guy that will clean the clock of any other player that plays against that team. Not maliciously, not advocating violence at all. That has nothing to do with his selection. But he has proven he is not only a physical force at six foot four, two 240 pounds roughly, and probably by now over that, but he also has ex- exceptional skating ability for a person his size. He's also got some goals, and he's also got some offense, but he is feared on the defense, and when he hits you, you'll understand you've been hit. And it's not dirty in the least. The guy is a physical player, and the guy is a team player, and I want him there, not only for those reasons, but if anybody's dumb enough to go after Suzuki, Caulfield, Mitch Marner, Cal McCarr, or those types of players, they're going to wish they didn't. He's going to make them think really, really hard. And I want that deterrency on that team. And yes, that is worth more than a roster spot as far as importance. Now, for goaltenders... Starting two goaltenders would be Linus Elmark and Philip Gustafson. Not because they have the top goals against in the league right now, which they happen to have, but they're of 29 and 24 years old. They're not overworked. They're not beyond their prime. They can play with good defenses. They can play average defenses, and they can still keep their team in the game consistently. And as a backup to those two, I'd have Ilya Serkin. Ilya Serkin is same thing. He's kind of the split between their two ages. He's 27. Again, six foot three, 195. All big goaltenders. All take up a lot of space. All are mobile, flexible, good glove hands, good butterfly style. Can drop the pads quick to the ice. Can close the five hole. They can they can shut a lot of teams down. So with that, again, I said at the beginning of this year, I personally thought this season was going to be phenomenally interesting. Trading this year will be incredibly interesting or absolutely non-existent. One of the two. I don't think there's going to be anything in between that. Montreal, I think, has just an incredible amount of players to move throughout their organization. And there's other teams like the Blackhawks that are going to want to move a lot of players too. Injuries, I think, are going to be the primary difference maker around the league as to who gets moved, who's contract there can be room made for due to LTIR or any other number of reasons, I think it's going to be a phenomenally interesting season. I think it's going to also be really interesting to see how all 32 teams shake out, who the 10 teams are that don't even make the playoffs to begin with. It has the makings to be a year that somebody that nobody had any idea could end up winning the Stanley Cup. A lot of the favorites have seemed hurt this year. A lot of man down injuries. Just a lot of inconsistent play. A lot of players who were considered to have better years than they're having. Other players are having phenomenal years that kind of slid under the radar. So I think this year is fantastic. I really do. And that brings us to a close and a conclusion on episode 28. Again, I'm your host, Stephen Stiles. Thank you for tuning into the Hockey Free For All podcast. And I will be back with episode 29 very soon.